Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello, and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, and yes, Tommy Donlan, after a two-week hiatus. Back in the seat. Back in the seat. Back out of the woods. That's right. Back in the seat. Oh, so much great content to bring you guys tonight. I mean... I'm excited about this show. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There is. And uh, we only have an hour, so I guess we better get right to it. Appreciate everybody jumping on here already, saying hello. Uh, yes, welcome, and uh, sit back, enjoy the show. Uh, hey, want to welcome everybody here to Fish on Northwest. It is uh, Thursday evening. We are live from the Fish on Northwest studio located here in Olympia, Washington. If it's your first time joining us here on Root Sports, want to thank you and also remind you, take a little time, jump on over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. They're going to see a couple of coupon codes along with a whole lot of other content that we provide. But check out those coupon codes, edge rods, 20% off edge rods all the time if they're not previously attached to a, another reduced pricing or special. Checkout code at uh, checkout, FHN20 is your coupon. And of course, Phelps Game Calls, Fish Hunt NW10. You're going to get 10% off all Phelps Game Calls. Matter of fact, I used a Phelps Game Call this morning. I know, I know. And you did a demo. Maybe we'll get a demo tonight. <laughs> Maybe I did huh? a demo, huh? Yeah, yeah, that thing worked outstanding. And a uh, couple little buck grunts here and there, a little rattle, uh, right. rattling on the antlers here that we're going to get into later on the show. And let me tell you, that, uh, that buck came stampeding, mm-hmm. well, more of a trot, but yeah. he was, you know, um, I had put that post. So the morning started out a little busy. I mean, I'm, I've been hunting. You've yeah. been hunting. We've yep. been hunting. It's that time of year. Yep. I've been going after these blacktail. I had my sight set on this nice big three point, figured I was uh-huh. going to pull him out of there this year. Um, you know, sometimes I just take what the good Lord gives me. Yeah. And that yeah. two point had come in a couple times and he's, you know, it's interesting to watch their behavior, Tommy. I know yeah. you haven't had or spent a lot of time chasing blacktail. I'm just addicted to the whole thing because of this, this chess game we play with blacktail. Right. It's pretty unique. Like they're the gray ghosts of the forest, steelhead mm-hmm. of the gray ghosts of the river. And there's a reason you get addicted going after these critters because they they keep you awake at night mm-hmm. and so uh the opportunity presented itself um they were in and out in the morning and again a little bit of rattle rattle on the antlers and uh uh using that new phelps uh butt grunt and boy that guy came in on a rope chest yeah. out head up looking to fight and i gave him another little uh grunt on that call and he decided mm-hmm. to tear the heck out of that tree that was in front of him yeah he wasn't having it yeah. and uh 
I figured, well, he's about 80 to 90 yards away. Put him in my scope, and I'm like, you know, yep, like I wrote up in the uh, little review there. Mm -hmm. Today's the day, right? Yeah. Right. And uh, sealed the deal. So, so after all that interaction, how could you not take him? Well, yeah, I felt yeah. like I knew him. You yeah. know, <laughs> so, <laughs> time to time to make it uh, time to make it pay off. You know, it's a lot of work and effort. And uh, this year, I opted to put a tree stand in on public ground. Yeah. I hiked it up in there, assembled it, put it up to a big maple tree, and that's where I've been anchored because yeah. it's not a real big area. And so I've been trying to stay kind of low profile, not get mm -hmm. in there, push the deer around. Yep. And uh, it paid off. They would be comfortably 80 to 100 yards from me, mm -hmm. even sneaking into my stand this morning, put the binos up and there they were. So, you know, it just, it takes some effort. Yeah. And uh, when you can seal the deal after all your effort, it, it feels pretty good. Heck so. yeah, meat in the freezer too. That's right, meat in the freezer. Not a monster, but uh, nonetheless, another blacktail five years in a row. And I'm pretty happy with that. All right, running down the show, we got a lot to get to. In-studio guest, Tom Ryle, longtime friend. It's been three years since he's been back here in the studio. Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest bow hunting, focusing on blacktail weather, current and changing, and how it affects deer behavior. You guys are going to want to pay attention to that. Then we'll be back with Tom more uh, on the topic of baiting, pros and cons, indoor scent. Once again, pros and cons. Should you do it in or so when it's appropriate? Uh, FHM was on the water this last week, Tommy. Coastal River, Chinook, Coho, and Chums. Uh, how'd we do? Scott Cole and I fished with buddy Jared Cady. Scott and I were determined to cast kokanee cut plugs, Brad's uh, cut plugs, and we, uh, we wanted to fish those in the current seams and the tributaries. You'll have to check this out, how we did full report coming. Part three with Tom Ryle, uh, when to make noise. Buck grunts, doe bleats, and rattling. Is it go time? Should we be doing that right now? Uh, Tommy Donlin, back from your Idaho hunt. Oh my goodness, bull of a lifetime. Preparation and then the hunt, how it all went down. Tommy's gonna bring that all to you. And then part two, hope is not a plan, as Tommy often will proclaim, and what it takes to be that successful, all that with Tommy later on in the show. So right now we're gonna jump out for a quick break. We come back, uh, get your notepads ready. Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest bow hunting, will be here in studio. Right here, after the break, Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin, an in-studio guest. Been far too long, my friend. Yes, it has. Yes, Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest Bow Hunting, www.pnwbowhunting.com. How the heck you been? I know you've been getting out doing a little hunting. It's been good. It's been good. It's been a long time, and uh, yeah, I've been. Unfortunately, I've been distracted by fishing. Yeah. This last year, I've been yeah, fishing a lot more than I normally do. You've kind of taken that up as of late. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my head in the game here for mm -hmm. blacktails. Yeah. Uh, 
Gonna yep. give it, give it uh, a good go here in the next few days. So you've transitioned into fishing. I, a handful of years ago, transitioned into hunting and I realized how, <laughs> how busy and lack of time now we have for either or in the fall season. So yeah, it's, it's like, like you gotta pick your battle. It's like a rod in one hand, your bow in the other. It's like, I don't bow? know. Bow? What about gun? Where's the gun, right? I, I, well, my gun shoots arrows. Shout out to Steve Kramer, shotgun, right? Um, there you go. So, yes, it is modern rifle season. However, you stick with your bow, and I tip my cap to you for that. Uh, you and I have talked for years over a multitude of topics around blacktails. You've helped me a ton. So it's modern rifle uh, season, or as I like to refer to it over here on the west side, as blacktail season for yeah. you and I, right? Yeah. And um, so right now we got five days left. And we've had a significant weather change here the last few days. Um, backing up to Tuesday, the deluge of rain we were subjected yeah. to while we were fishing. Yesterday it rained for three quarters of the day and then started kind of clearing off and getting cool. So we've had these, we've had these significant weather events here now as we're getting into the last final days of, of uh, this, this blacktail season. Yeah, yeah, I think most people should be calling in sick tomorrow. Mm -hmm. if <laughs> not telling you what to do, but you know, it's, yeah. it's going to be good. I think anytime you see these big significant drops in temperature, mm -hmm. it's not even so much the low pressure, high pressure, it's the temperature drops, I mm -hmm. think, that really gets deer on their feet and moving. And uh, yeah, we've been kind of sitting steady for quite a while with these moderate temperatures, and, and deer are going to do what they do. They're going to rut the same time every year. But when you get those overnight temp drops, they're going to be more active in the morning hours, especially. Sure. And uh, then again, right before di you know, right before dark, mm -hmm. dusk. Mm -hmm. Now, temperature is part of the equation, but then you know we basically live in a, a rainforest here on the west side. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, how does that rain? You know, and we usually just always have your your typical Western Washington rain. But if you get a heavy rain, how does that affect their behavior? And then also the wind factor. You know, I mean, when I think of when I think of elk, right, they that wind basically you're taking away one of their senses, right? Right. All of a sudden they can't hear anymore. Mm -hmm. How does that affect blacktail? I, 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 it's a tough one because I've read a lot of different things and I've experienced a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I had a I used to live in Oregon, as you guys probably remember. I yep. lived down there three different times. I hunted the Willamette Valley for years, and we used to wait for the storms, and that's when we would hunt. The more rain and wind, the better. And I think I've seen it both ways. I had a buddy who was in a tree stand to the point where it was not safe to be in the stand. Mm -hmm. So he climbed down and arrowed a <clears throat> giant buck on the ground, just hmm. still hunting right through the timber. And so people say, well, bucks, you know, deer, they'll just bed down and hold up in those storms and then wait for the break and come out and be more active. And, and I've certainly seen that too. Um, I think the backside of any big storm is, is always a good bet to be out mm -hmm. in the field. Uh, anytime that you have that sort of letting up of the weather, you're, you're certainly going to see more deer activity. But blacktails do have a propensity to enjoy a, a good, crappy Pacific Northwest rainy fall day. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's 38 and sideways rain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, I, I say get in the field, get in the big timber. Um, I've also heard that deer, especially blacktails, don't like to be in the in the in like the big. So right now, big leaf maples are dropping leaves. Sure, There's a lot of noise happening. Very noisy. Very mm -hmm. noisy. I was anchored to one. Right, right. You were <laughs> extremely yeah. noisy. Yeah. yeah. So 
until all those leaves are down, they're mm -hmm. making a lot of noise right. with the rain hitting the leaves mm. and then those leaves falling. Yep. And I've heard that blacktails will avoid that and get out into the open where they have a better sense of their sound. Makes mm. sense. Yeah, I just, I personally haven't been, you know, I don't have the luxury of spending that much time observing mm -hmm. deer through every mm -hmm. weather condition. But right. for me, it's always the temperature drop and or the backside of a front. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be out there. Yeah, if it's been raining hard all day, and you and I and Steve have, have talked yeah. and messaged about this, but like last week when I sat there for 12 hours and it basically rained pretty much all day, yeah. but about that 4, 4.30 window in the afternoon, we had a clearing in the sky, that front had moved through, and then we had, you know, a four to five degree temperature drop within about an hour and a half just yeah. because the cloud cover was gone and the wind blew all that away. And now it's getting into that prime time where they might start coming out because now they're not getting soaking wet, they can hear, and they've been hunkered down all day. Right. But then the the opposite of that is I've been out there where it's like you've mentioned blustery blowing like crazy, and uh, there's deer out you know everywhere. Yeah. But mm -hmm. this morning was classic, and we'd been going back and forth about the weather. This cool temperature drop was significant. We finally, I finally walked in this morning, had a hard frost on the ground. Oh, you, I see. I didn't have a frost. First, this first one of the fall season. Significant. Like the leaves were crunchy. Uh, when it got daylight, there was definitely pretty heavy white patches of frozen, you know, um, grasses and stuff. So it was a significant temperature drop, and it correlated to a significant increase in deer activity right at daylight and just after. Um, much like last year when I shot that bigger buck, it was the first significant temperature drop. It was 28 degrees last year yeah. when I went in, and it had been stable at like 35 to 45 during the day, yeah. but not get down to freezing. Then it's like, oh, temperature tonight's going to be 28. It's going to be very cold in the morning. It's going to be go time. 8 yep. o'clock, that buck came in this morning. Activity, it was 30 degrees, frost on the ground, slightly frozen. Those bucks were out moving around, and that one came back multiple times. 8 mm. o'clock, it was like, well. Yep. So I like the fact that if you really start tracking and, like, understanding behavior as you put out in your seminars and on your webpage and all those little key components, if you, your takeaway from that should be, significant temperature drops and fronts coming in and then moving through generates deer movement. Yeah, and I would say that, that that doesn't have to get down to freezing. It could be going from 70 to 60, 60 to 50. 10 degrees you've told me is yeah. significant. Any, yep. any significant temperature drop, you're gonna see an mm. increase in deer activity yeah. Yeah. in general. Yep, so, um, well, it's, uh, it's moving just that quick. Tell you what, we're gonna jump out for a quick break. And when we come back, we got to get into some baiting and scenting, and we still may talk a little more about movement uh, secondary to weather. So sure. but this baiting and scenting thing, it's like, do you scent? If you do, is it appropriate when? Can you overscent? Is it, is it the, the lady walking in the room with too much perfume? <laughs> is that what we're talking about? So uh, let's, let's tackle that. Jump out for a quick break. We come back uh, more with Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest bow hunting, right here at Fish and Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. All right, welcome back here in studio to Win England. Tommy Donlin and Tom Ryle talking a little bit about blacktail and uh, baiting and, and scent. Hey, before we get into that, yeah, yeah. before we get into that, 
on your game cam, you had a number of bucks coming in, right? Some spikes, some two points, right? Daylight. Yeah, in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting this temperature change. Are we going to see those those bigger bucks come out more in the day and, and quit being so nocturnal in order to get their food intake? Or what's your thought on that, Tom? Um, I, th- well, I think there's two things at play. The weather's certainly going to help, but mm-hmm. I think what we have is on the ramp up to peak breeding in mid-November, you're going to have more and more does coming into estrus, which is going to compound the effect of, of buck activity. Um, it's, it's kind of important, too, to know that the deer, not just deer, but specific deer, will come into estrus at the exact same time every year. Mm. So doe A, B, and C are all going to come into estrus the same time they did the year prior. And right. Year mm. prior. Isn't it within, like, a 24-hour window? Yeah. Like, right. give or take, right? Mm. Right. So Pretty amazing, really. Yeah. You, know, you hear people say, well, I think it's late this year. I think it's early this year. And it's really not. What you're seeing is the dynamics of the deer that you might be hunting. There's buck-doe ratios to consider. There's age class to consider. If you don't have mature bucks in your area, you may only see two and small mm-hmm. three-point bucks running mm-hmm. around chasing those does. Right. So it, it's really a dynamic situation, but the cold weather doesn't hurt, and mm-hmm. the closer we get to, I say, November 12th and 14th is yep. the peak breeding. Yep. That's of November. Just gonna, you're just yep. going to have more activity. So you made a good point. You may only have small bucks running around. So this is where you kind of lend the hand to putting out cameras. And you can you like to focus a lot on target-rich environments, heavy, heavily traveled trails and stuff. This area that I've been putting work in the last three years, deer sign everywhere, trails everywhere. And I can do that. I also kind of like to take a solid approach of having them stop, let me get their ID and their photograph, and, uh, you know, <laughs> check them out. And I want to I wanna gauge, really, how many, how many does are in the area, mm-hmm. how many yearlings. And then I want to start seeing if these bucks are getting drawn in. And so putting out some bait in the, you know, I started in August through September. Mm-hmm up there not it's not like an every couple day thing it's seven or ten days a good ten days go throw down a few more apples a little bit of corn and just wait and kind of see what starts showing up Mm. and um is that a good way to kind of gauge activity in the area and see if you want to put a lot of effort in um what are your thoughts on baiting yeah i mean i think i look at baiting like anything else if it's a legal way to hunt and you want to do that and you have an opportunity to do that maybe you don't have mobility you know that someone else might have or maybe you prefer to hunt close to home or Mm -hmm. versus a a big hike-in type situation Mm -hmm. i think baiting is fine um i think that uh it's certainly a good way to see kind of like you said have them clock in like let's see who's in the area (laughs) i use cameras for the same purpose i've got cameras out on new areas that i'm not hunting this year because i just don't know anything about them so yeah I'm set up on some trails, and it's going to be fun to pull those cards and see what's on there. But baiting is certainly a great way to, just like with baiting bears, you can ensure the shot placement, you can be patient and take your time, you can observe animals in a relaxed state. There's a lot of benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just, you know, concentrations of uh, deer activity. It's certainly uh, food sources. We all hunt over food sources. It's, mm-hmm. it's food source. Yeah. And, yeah. And just to clarify, baiting bears in Washington is legal. In Idaho, it is legal. Just just FYI. And uh, 
How many times have you made fun of Dwayne for all the baiting that he does? You don't have to answer that question. <laughs> I've never made fun of Dwayne. Um, is this a thing is, that I should be I, doing? I, I do, so I'm yeah, yeah. curious if you yeah. do as well. Yeah. We could do it together. But Tommy doesn't I hunt mean, blacktail. No. Yeah. I, he hunts I, large herd animals. Yeah. That's his passion, right? <laughs> That's what I love to do. But I, but I definitely see the allure to blacktail, and I'm wondering... You know, so 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 baiting right requires you to, to go in and drop the bait, right? So you're you're putting down your scent mm -hmm. along with this food source that you've got to get in there. Is do you think there's a downside to doing that? And is that why maybe you don't do it? Or what is the thought process? I could I could talk for a long time about this topic of, of human scent yeah. and conditioning deer, but in terms of baiting, I I'm I don't hunt blacktails unless I'm wearing scent-free leather or uh, rubber boots, knee-high mm. boots. I never hunt in leather boots. I've never have because I'm always trying to control my ground scent. That being said, uh, there's an association there that could certainly happen. You might keep certain deer away. You might mm -hmm. not affect other deer. Um, but I know for a fact that I've personally cut trails to my tree stands to avoid walking on deer trails. And mm. before I can even practically get my stand hung i've got deer using my trails now yeah. and it's it's maddening to keep them off your trails right so i don't know that it's that big a deal to be perfectly honest but mm -hmm. i think i'm super meticulous about scent control so um mm -hmm. and i don't bait so i don't i don't really know but you know Dwayne's had multiple deer in there you've mm -hmm. got several what three and a half four and a half year old bucks on camera yep so clearly you know there's the proof mm -hmm. is in the pudding well there. we draw the does in keep the does around the bucks right. are going to stay especially if they now start getting into some yeah. the does that are getting into estrus and whatnot you know they're going to stay i got bucks in there that were chasing does around this morning mm -hmm. yeah. pushing them right but, but you also bathe in doe urine right <laughs> borderline really close yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not allowed to sleep in the house for the entire month of october <laughs> We're running out of time here. We got to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We're going to jump into a little discussion on fishing. FHM was on the water this last week during the monsoon. Buddy Scott Call, partner at Brad's, and of course Jared Katie. Uh, we hit the coastal river. How'd we do? We're going to tell you all about it. We come back right here, Fish in Northwest. Support from Northwest Sportsmen make Federal Ammunition the world's leading ammunition manufacturer. Federal uses the industry's finest materials, giving you reliable ammunition that delivers superb accuracy and optimum performance. Northwest hunters rely on Sportco to provide the best selection and prices in the Northwest since 1985. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium in Fife and Seattle. Your journey begins here. All right, welcome back here in studio to the show. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a little bit, boys. Tom, mm -hmm. you mentioned at the start of the show that you're kind of taking on a little more approach to fishing. Yeah. So um, kind of interesting. We uh, we had planned to get out and fish and film the other day because it's kind of what we do to bring content to the viewers. Right. They appreciate that, right, Tommy? Mm -hmm. And um, jumped out on a coastal stream with longtime friend Jared Katie, um, Get Em Dry Fishing Company, and then Scott Cole. He and I have been, uh, and all of us, we've been fishing together quite a bit lately. And Scott and I wanted to basically get out on a tributary and cast and retrieve kokanee cup plugs, which are used in so many different environments, but we had yet to do that. Like drift fish them on the swing, like a spinner Perfect. or a spoon, and to see what we could get going on that. And uh, moderately successful, you know, um, the chum liked them, and we didn't even <laughs> set them up. Just the oh, color really? and the action, uh, rigging them with an inline 3 8 ounce sinker, 30 inch liter to a kokanee cup plug. Now, I'd also tied some up with some small 
um, hoochies on there, some silver hoard hoochies, even a little LPs, Tommy, doubled up on some of the LP, mm -hmm. little tiny squids, mm -hmm. put those on there for a little tail wagger action, and those things just rotating in the current. Uh, of course, there are literally thousands and thousands of chum in these coastal streams right now. Wow. It's a mind mm -hmm. blow to see so many of them. But um, now you you experienced a monsoon event when you guys were out, right? It uh, it was moderately raining in the morning, and the fishing was pretty good. By noon, okay. it was a torrential downpour, and it never let mm -hmm. up. And it got to the point where we're three quarters of the way down river, and the river was literally just starting to get a little staining, which actually you welcome because it's so clear. A little color is good, uh -huh. but a slight bump in the river, and man, the fish were just running like just gangbusters, man. And they weren't stopping for nothing. Hmm. They were now not holding in holes, and if they're not holding, they're just blazing. And these chum were running everything out of the holes. You know, we got some Chinook, we got some Coho twitching, we got uh, we caught Chinook chum and um, uh, Coho on eggs. Yeah. Chum will bite eggs, especially if you put a little Atlas Mike's uh, sand shrimp yeah. scent yeah. on there, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was successful in all accounts, but we got to that window in the day where we're all getting drenched. Yeah. Fish aren't biting. It's like time to go. I should be blacktail hunting. I should be blacktail <laughs> hunting. Matt did a fantastic job, you know, uh, Viking Productions, yeah. um, capturing it all on video. So we're going to bring you guys that content and show you exactly how we were presenting that stuff and, and, and you know, what we what – we, uh, basically summarized as, you know, moderately successful. We're really trying to get coho on those things. Yeah. Now, that, has that been done before? I've never even heard of using a, a Brad's, like, kokanee or a cup, cup plug, plug in, or in a mini cup plug or something. Yeah, like so that? you can run them behind bait divers or jet divers yeah. in, in holes. And run casting, them like a right? We're casting, casting and swinging and, and yeah. reeling. Um, I think some guys on the East Coast and certain areas for steelhead, and I've told Scott where there's okay. a couple different presentations I want to do with those things for steelhead as well. Mm -hmm. Somewhat of uh, drift fishing them. Basically, that's what we're doing is drift fishing them, bobber dogging them. There's some different applications we're going to start tackling using these kokanee cup plugs. You know, Chinook, 25-pound Chinook hit them little tiny buggers. Yeah, right. You know, and um, I think to be a little more aggressive with them, we're going to, you know, send them up, put some tuna in the in the plug or put some... Uh, Put some uh, fire gel on there. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna say, next time you're we're out for a tuna trip, you're gonna bring them, right? Oh, the, the send, <laughs> send them out on the slide. Well, we did use them in Cabo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we should though. We should put them out there and see if the elk yeah. go after them. Wouldn't yeah. that be a hoot? Yeah. yeah. And we use the full size ones, man. So, yeah, yeah, uh, great, great way just to you know al alternate your presentation, try something different that they're not seeing a whole lot see what the results are. So all in all, it was a great day. Always a good day when you're fishing with Jared and uh, getting Scott out there on the tributaries. His mind was blown. He's not used to small water and seeing so many fish racing up the raceway. Sounds man. impressive. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Jeff and Brandon said, unfortunately, you don't get to claim first with that idea. They've both done it before. Oh, uh, so. well, well, there you go. <laughs> Haven't done it. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, bouncing out here for a quick break. We come back. Tom, we got more to talk about. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. With this blacktail madness. It's madness. It is it's complete madness. madness. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick break. We'll be back right here at Fishing Northwest. Hey, guys. I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get Them Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge Rods. 
Welcome back here in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin and our guest, Tom Rob, Pacific Northwest bow hunting. <laughs> so let's talk about making some noise. All right. We're, we're pre-rut. We got some activity out there. I'm watching bucks fight on camera, um, clashing antlers and making a bunch of noise. And, you know, they seem to be responding to some scent, put a little scent up there and I can, I can literally seat them on my camera, sniffing the areas that I've scented just to, I'm trying to gauge reaction. Right. You and I have talked. I mean, you know, is it is it time, you know, to, to clash and, and make some noise? Uh, are we talking to him with butt grunts, tending grunts? Are we talking to him with doe bleeds? Kind of where are we at in this in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's go time. <laughs> it is go time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really prime time. I think the pre rut is is obviously ramping up, mm-hmm. and and bucks as especially mature bucks, as that testosterone starts really charging through them. They become very intolerant of other bucks, mm. and and so they're very territorial deer, and so a lot of times because I'm a bow hunter with a multi-season tag, typically hunting in October, I'm in a tree stand or a ground blind, but typically I like to be in a tree stand so that my calling mm. actually gets out above the vegetation. Right. Mm. The only downside to it is when you're rattling, because I do like to rattle on the ground because I pound the ground with the base of the antler. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm I have two lefts and you could you know you can have a left and a right or whatever, but I've beat my hands so bloody that I got smart and plus they <laughs> That's nasty. why you gave me these, right? Oh. You're like get rid of the old <laughs> <Yeah>. knuckle busters, <laughs> yeah. right? Well I cut you, the tips off. I know, yeah, it saved me a lot of bloodshed. Yeah, but uh, probably, these these were great. Yeah these I, are, if I ever turn up missing, there's probably my DNA on there. You I, might I, get rid of those. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'll pound the ground mm-hmm. because they're pushing. It's a shoving match. It's not just banging antlers. Yeah, down. there's that heavy earth tone, yeah. right? There's a lot of yep. grinding and mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, and, and heavy breathing. And you, the more you can do to simulate the sound of an actual buck fight right mm-hmm. um the better yep and and you know if we were two weeks earlier in the, in in the month i would be saying you don't want to be super aggressive mm-hmm. it's too early but now between now and you know peak breeding mm-hmm. it's it's kind of go time and so i always start off softly with a couple doe bleats mm-hmm. because just like with elk calling you don't want to just come blazing out of the gate with a bugle if you're in habitat that could be holding mm. a bedded bull or something sure. like that mm-hmm. or a herd. Yep. So I start soft in case there's something close. I give it 15, 20, 30 minutes, and then I might throw in a couple buck grunts, again, soft, like the ones you just demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Wait another 15, 20 minutes, and then I might start in with some rattling. And uh, my first sequence will be relatively short because I don't want to get caught banging antlers together and sometimes deer will hear that and and respond right away Mm -hmm. Um, generally it's going to be younger bucks two and a half three and a half year old bucks that are really just coming to see what the heck's going on Mm kind of like this morning yeah yeah what you saw Mm -hmm. this morning is exactly what (laughs) Uh happens Mm -hmm. and then you know i build from there just like you know setting up and calling elk you know you're going to start raking trees and you're going to start carrying on and doing different things and yeah, get a good sweat going half that, the time, but that makes a lot of sense though, right? Because you you start with the calling, right? Because they're gonna 
accost each other verbally first, right? Like just just like any other two males, right? Right. Right. There's gonna <laughs> kind be like what some, goes on here before the show. Be yeah. Some, uh, yeah. Some crap talking, right? <laughs> right. Before right. the actual right. fight, yeah, yeah. right? So you yeah. start there. Of course, it starts with the female, right? You said you start with the doblet. Yeah. Yep. It's always over a female. See. And then it goes buck to buck, right? Yeah. Verbal, mm -hmm. and then you start with the clashing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you take that analogy to, you know, you're not gonna just walk up to somebody and start pounding on them in a fight, right? Right. Usually, there's some verbal altercation. Yep. Usually it's over a woman or something, right? Yes. It's like the scenario. Or fishing yeah. hole. Or oh, fishing yeah. hole, fishing whatever hole. it might be. But, but yeah, you, you kind of have to visualize what you're trying to emulate with the mm -hmm. sounds you're right. making. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's the most important thing. If you don't, I don't see does walking around going, meh, 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 everywhere. So no. I don't do that. Yeah, I, yeah. Very sparingly. Mm -hmm. And I typically won't call to a deer just like an elk that's coming. Mm -hmm. If I see a deer committed or curious, mm -hmm. I'm going to let the curiosity get the best of them. If you're looking at, if you're in your stand, you're looking out, there's a couple deer, maybe a young buck, spike, fork and horn, a couple does out there. There's no need to say anything to them. No, Is there? I mean, it depends on the situation. You know, if I see that they're moving diagonally away from me, and, you know, especially if it was a shooter buck, and I, I'm like, that deer is going to leave the county. Mm. I'm going to definitely make a noise try and try to get back. him. And I'm going to start soft, and I'm going to call louder, louder, louder till he stops and looks, mm -hmm. and then I'm done. Mm. He heard me. I don't sure. need to say another word. Right. And he might get curious and come in. He might circle me downwind, or he might just turn and walk away, and that's it. I think it comes down to uh, know your audience. Yep. It's like what they're yeah. doing. Yep. If you can emulate that or engage with them. Just don't start randomly throwing out things right. against the wall to see what sticks. Right. Kind of yeah. look at what they're doing. I gauge my antler activity and, and kind of verbal initiations based on kind of some of the activity I'm seeing on my cameras. What are these guys doing when I'm not there? Yeah. And how aggressive are they? And I got to tell you, the last couple of days, pictures on the camera, they're actually, I mean, it looks like they're getting after it pretty good. Yeah. Necks getting wrenched. I mean, they're really in, in pretty hard push position. So. Yeah, and, and, and I would also say on that, if you're seeing a lot more rubs and bigger rubs, which you'll start seeing now between yeah. now and, you know, end of the first week of November, you're going to see a ton of rubs getting laid down. Those deer, their necks are getting bigger. They're oh, yeah. getting more mm -hmm. aggressive. And that's how you know when it's time to start rattling is when you mm. start seeing a lot of rubs. Gotcha. Good point. Yeah. All right, we are going to switch gears from blacktail to maybe a little elk talk. Some bull talk. A little, oh, a little yeah. <laughs> some bull talk. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of talk Tommy knows. Oh. Don't go anywhere. We're going to hear all about this bull of a lifetime with Tommy Dolan right here, Fish on Northwest. New days, new beginnings, new friends, new loves, new dreams, new goals, new scenery new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. All right, welcome back here in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin and Tom Ryle. Uh, Thomas, sounds like you were on a little elk hunt here recently. It, was, it wasn't a little elk hunt. It was a, a big elk hunt. Okay, you just yeah. got back from a hunt of yeah. a lifetime. Let's put it that way. And uh, you're going to let us know about the results later here. But um, was this a, I mean, looking at that bull, you go, oh, special permit, special access, right. guided hunt. Right. right. Was this a high fence hunt? Or, was it a high fence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that quality. No, this was a, 
you know, I haven't been hunting long enough like you to have points built up to go, you know, hunt Wanaha, uh -huh. right? Or, yeah, yeah. or hunt some of these really special tag areas. This was just a, an over-the-counter public land, DIY, no guides, no nothing, just plain Jane down to earth, getting it done. Had you and Ty and Mark been in this area before? Did you hunt over there last year? Did last you pick year, it, yeah. Last year? In the general zone, not this specific area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the reason, you know, really like leading up to the hunt, you know, really, if you're doing elk hunting correctly, your your hunt really starts, if you can, three to four days before the actual opener, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that you have that bull tied to a tree, you know where it is, <laughs> right. right? No tablets. If, if it's undisturbed, right, mm -hmm. it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and Ty is the glass master, mm -hmm. and he did just that a couple days before the season. You know, he had two sets of bulls pinged, knew exactly where they were. And they were out of reach of 95% of the hunters in that zone. They're not going to go there, even if they do see them. They're not going to go after that because of the terrain. They are not. Speaking of, of which, so what do you give us a kind of layout of topography? Steep canyons. Very what are you steep, up against? Multiple How? drainages. Very vertical. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of vertical. Did you prepare for that? I did. Ready to go? And, you know, and you know what I said in my Facebook post too is that I you you never stop preparing for elk hunting. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's year round for you. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the older you get, the more important training is. Yeah. So, I have a very specific regimen that's high intensity interval training, a uh, lot of leg exercises, single legs, you know, lunges, squats, things of that nature, um, and then I do a lot uh, for my knees as well, right? Because yeah. you know, working in that steep terrain you know, what goes up must come down. And your knees just take an absolute pounding going downhill. So they yeah, do. we, we were definitely prepared for yeah. that. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, you had the mindset, like putting myself into that environment, what do I need to do to prepare? Yep. Not just sticking with a basic workout, you know, bench on Monday, yeah. lap holes on Tuesday. Right. Like, this is a little well, more. It, it's a, like, you, gotta, you gotta think, majority of it is mental, right? Yep. If you prepare physically, you will mentally be prepared. Whereas if you don't prepare and you get out there and you go, oh man, that's that's two thousand feet of elevation. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a thousand. But you know a thousand is not gonna get you to pay dirt, right? Mm -hmm. You get to a thousand, you go, oh man, I just I can't go another five hundred feet up. I just can't do it, right? Well, if you train that way, then going that elevation or going that distance isn't gonna matter. Sure, we were man. covering twelve to sixteen <clears throat> miles a day. Yeah, yeah. So you got you to train because you're training your mind as well. We were uh, we were kind of focused on weather, temperature change and stuff here as referencing to Blacktail. What did you guys have over there for weather and conditions? We had something very similar. We had some really warm days um, leading up to opening day that was in the 70s. And then opening morning, the temp dropped about 15, 17 degrees. Really? And started raining. Oh. Yep. And so we did have um, that drop. Um now, coinciding with that, we also, about two weeks before the season, we talked to a gentleman that lit, that has a, a cabin in that area, and he was watching the elk every day. Two weeks before the season, he saw wolves come into the area. He's got them on game mm. cam. And so, you know, to be honest with you, we didn't see a lot of elk. We saw two very small groups with some bulls in them before the season. Okay. And then opening day was a different story. We didn't see a damn thing. We huh. found we found the wolf scat. Yeah. We found fresh tracks um, that kind of had coincided with this story. Um, the elk that were in that zone, we we covered the terrain. They were not there. Where where Ty had spotted and glassed them the day before, they were gone. We actually were standing 
in that bull's bed, we could smell where he had laid and pissed in that bed, <laughs> and they were no longer anywhere in the zone. So you had to go find them. Yep. Now we're searching. Okay. Right? Which is not how you want to start your opening day. Nope. Now we're searching. We're going to find out how many days into the hunt this thing all came together and how it came together in the exact story to the end. Coming up after this break right here, Fish on Northwest. You haven't been here, but you know it. You've heard the sounds, smelt the air, and seen where your heart lands, if not yet. You haven't been here, but you've longed for a destination near or far, where the young and old find rest and excitement, not apart. You haven't been here, but you're on your way to a place not far. ExploreTheDowls.com all right, welcome back here, Fish Hunt Northwest. So you're you're now having to go find them. Yeah, we just burnt opening day. Yeah, you know, that's like most successful hunts. You tag out opening day, mm -hmm. right? Now, now we're in search mode, especially in pressured areas. Yep. Where, yeah, all the areas that we had previously seen elk the year before, you know, were just decimated. Nothing there, right? Mm. Um. So now, and and you know, my my greatest fear is having to hunt timber. I hate hunting in <laughs> you timber have said that before you know trying to move around yeah. trying to find elk yeah. in the timber during a rifle hunt right oh, if yeah. you're archery hunting that's a different story sure, but, yeah. yeah but you know here we are and there's wolves in the area and so a lot of those elk do timber day two um covered a different area same result didn't see anything and now we're thinking okay um what do we what do we do and so we we relocated quite a bit we probably went five to seven drainages over um kind of completely out of the way into a an area that we hadn't scouted um had some questionable information about but we thought what the hell i didn't like the idea because our destination on that hunt on the third day was only three and a half miles in oh. and i'm thinking well if it's only three and a half miles yeah, in gonna it's gonna people. get people it's gonna get a ton of traffic yep. people can get to it yep. it's easy right um and so i was like okay well you know, and, and Ty has a saying, expect the unexpected, right? You don't know. You could hunt all day and you come back to your truck and there's a six-point standing next to your truck, mm -hmm. right? And that's happened to a friend of mine before. Sure. It uh, Steve Perkins. on the coast a couple years Did ago. It? Yeah. Yep. yep. And so we always, we always tell each other, you know, expect the unexpected, right? You can walk out your tent and there's a bull right there. Mm -hmm. You never know. So yep. you always have to have that mindset that I have to be ready. And so, so we embark on this journey. Um, hike up this ridge and now we're kind of side hilling at the very top of this ridge moving along and i'm thinking you know ty when are we going to jump off the top you know you know drop elevation check out a different zone and uh he goes one one more corner let's go around one more corner and let's see let's see what we see right and then, and then we'll go we'll go to a different zone and uh we round the corner and we are sitting there staring at two raghorn like sparring with each other at 200 yards mm. through the timber i go elk you know <laughs> and right elk. then your heart just like goes uh -huh. through the roof right it's that the very first time you see the animal your heart goes through the roof and it doesn't matter how many times i've hunted i still get that feeling initially and then it's like there's two of them right and so our plan right off the bat i don't even have to tell ty i'm like oh we're gonna double tap these mm -hmm. two bulls mm -hmm. um and it's gonna be a glorious story so we keep moving a little bit around the ridge because there's timber between us and the bulls we can see them in between you know through the timber we move along and boom i spot the lead cow off to the left i'm thinking shit you know we got it we got it and then right at the same time 
I feel that wind at my back, right? Yeah. Wind at your back, you'll have nothing in your sack. Applies to tuna fishing, applies to elk hunting, applies to deer hunting. <laughs> yes, it does. Right? Yep. And so I go, oh, crap. And I tell, I tell Ty, it's like, hey, uh, we, the wind's behind us. They're going to scent us. We need to get out of here. And in his infinite wisdom, and I don't know why he did it, he pulled out. Because you can feel, you know, oh, yeah. the wind's coming at the back of your neck. Your neck gets cold. You can feel it, right? So he pulls uh, his scent checker out, right? And he dumps like a half gallon of it into the air. And I'm like, <laughs> where, where are the elk? Where are the elk? I'm like, well, if they didn't see us, they do now. Right. right? I'm, yeah, like, you I'm think watching so. this plume of smoke uh-huh, just kind of roll uh-huh. towards them. And I, they didn't see it. And then for some reason, he does it again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just the second time. Maybe he thought, maybe he thought uh-huh. the wind had changed. I don't know. Uh-huh. And so when you have these weird moments, like when you're trying to set up for this shot, like, at least for me, my adrenaline goes away. Like that ruined the moment for me, yeah. right? We're backing away. We're trying to get away from these elk. He's putting smoke in the air. We back up. We finally find a spot to shoot from, right? Ty's looking around like, where, where am I going to set up? And, um, you know, as we're in this motion, I look down and at the bottom of this ravine, I spot this massive bull. And I said, Ty, Look Damn. at the size of that bull, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't really see the whole, like you could catch, you know, an antler here, an antler here. It was through the timber, but you could tell this animal was massive. And he goes, I'm going to shoot it. And I go, okay. 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 You know, and there, there's a story behind that. Uh-huh, I said, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's go for it, Ty. So he's looking around for a place to, to sit down, get prone and take a shot. I put my pack down, put my rifle down and, and he's seen this before from me. And so he goes, Hey, Get out of the way. This is my shot, right? Kicks me off my pack. He puts his rifle down. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, no place to, to set up. And um, so I hide behind a tree and I'm looking at him and I'm watching him get ready and I can tell he's getting ready to shoot. So I pop out from behind the tree and right, at, right as I do that, boom, he sends around and there's a bull blow us at the bottom of the ravine. I say, okay. And um, I just told him, hey, man, I will, I will follow up your shot. So he shoots. Boom, I come up, I shoot, and then the whole herd starts running uphill. You know, you, usually we've seen them, we, we see them run down a lot. They all went up the ravine, okay? And so now what do we do? It's like a kickoff at the Super Bowl. Boom, we're running, rifle in hand. Uh-huh. We're going across this ridge. They're coming up this ravine. Ty stops behind me. He starts shooting again. Before I can stop running, I'm hearing hooting and hollering behind me. I got him. I got to move. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I haven't even shot yet. Yeah, yeah. I keep running. I'm looking through the timber, and finally the timber stops, and I've got a, I've got a window, right? I've got a shooting lane, and I see this big-bodied animal just coming up the ravine running. And I go, that's got to be a bull. That's that honey colored of his coat. He's coming up, and boom, this leviathan of an animal just appears from the timber. <laughs> and I go... Yep, good enough. I didn't even look at the rack, right? Boom, you yeah, know, you know, just big body, you don't, you don't color. See, this is like, he's uh-huh. running. Like, yep. I've got seconds. So I pull up, shoot, as he's running at about 200 yards. I hit him, but I hit him in the rear quarter. He keeps running. I throw another round in, shoot him again, get a lung. And then he does something that I have never seen any animal do. He does an about face. He was going off at like 2 o'clock. All of a sudden, he turns around. 180 degrees and he's coming right for me right directly to me Mm -hmm. i'm thinking is this real like what's what's happening here Mm -hmm. he he must not know what happened uh, he didn't know he didn't know where the sound came from he had no clue and so all of a sudden i'm like okay i have one round left 
he's charging me from 200 yards. He's at 100 yards, 75. Closing 50. the distance, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, he's going to pull off and I'm going to get a broadside sure, shot. Sure, yeah. He never did. He kept coming. At 12 yards, I sent my last round and dropped him at 12 yards right in front of me. Wow. Game over. Jeez. I had the the largest adrenaline dump in my system I've ever had. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to. I th I had to hold back from puking my guts. Oh out. yeah, it oh was God. that violent. Holy cow! Ty and I celebrated like we had just won the Super Bowl. I would too. And then we look at this animal, and I just didn't realize how big he was. Going to hold you right there. Yeah. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We're going to close out with Tommy finishing this entire story right here, Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. All right, welcome back here as we close it out. Bulls on the ground, you're about to puke? Bulls on the ground, I'm about to puke. I don't. <laughs> Go down to my bull, um, seven by nine, absolute monster. Mm -hmm. Haven't gotten it officially taped yet, but taxidermist thought, 340 plus. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's it, yeah, knelt down, said a prayer. Thank God for, um, you know, providing this bull and and being able to have the meat off this bull. And, and Ty, uh, Ty was able to tag out as well. He got a four point off that yeah. exchange. So doesn't get any sweeter. Um, bull of a lifetime probably will never see anything like that again in my life yeah and credit to you guys i mean you know do it yourself out there public mm -hmm. land over the counter tag Jeez. prepared mentally physically mm -hmm. got it done brother nicely done yeah thank you that is a bull of thank a lifetime you. that is going to do it for us this week here on fish on northwest so glad you could join us uh tuning in on root sports each and every week we appreciate that make sure you continue to do so 9 a.m. Sunday morning, full one hour coming at you. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you here next week right here Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.